0: how's everybody doing this week good awesome it's exciting to be alive and in the kingdom amen how many of you know there are exploits with your name on them how many of you know you've got a destiny God's got things to do you are carrying someone's miracle you're an answer to prayer amen everywhere you go you are Jesus in disguise amen and how many of you know people need Jesus I mean, how many of you know people need to know the real Jesus, right? They need to have an encounter with the living, beautiful, loving Jesus. You know, sometimes it's easy to forget. You know, we get so like caught up in our own little world that we forget that we are his hands and we are his feet and we are his body, amen, to a lost and dying and hurting world. And everywhere we go, Jesus has an opportunity to manifest, you know, we, we should be the most excited, adventure-filled, joyful people on the planet. Amen? You know, yeah, we've got issues, we've got distractions, we've got things that are going on, but that's not what we're to be focused on, is it? No, no. We're supposed to have the mind of Christ. We're supposed to be thinking on things that are pure and lovely and of good report. We're supposed to be the most positive people on the planet, And how many of you know the only way we can do that is if we learn to control what's between these two minds? Our perspective is everything, right? What we focus on is everything. We have a choice every single moment of every single day to choose life, to choose death, to choose blessing, to choose cursing, to believe the truth or to believe a lie, um, to be positive, to be negative, to have the mind of Christ or to think carnally. How many of you know that the, the, the mind of the spirit to, to, to think like Jesus is life and peace? That when we are thinking like God, we are manifesting power. That with the peace of God is what we are full of when we think right. And I of you know, peace is so powerful. Peace is in the Hebrew and in, in the Greek, It means, you know, shalom. And it actually means a lot more than just, you know, a calm feeling. It means complete wholeness. It means nothing missing, nothing broken. It means that you're carrying the solution to every problem. It means that if there's any lack, peace will provide it, right? So life and peace are powerful. I mean, they were so powerful, they, could, they stilled the storm when Jesus spoke that one word, peace. The, a violent weather system was stilled by peace. So what we carry in our inner atmosphere is our responsibility. Say, it's my responsibility to guard my heart, and steward my inner life, and to uh, keep guard and watch over my inner atmosphere, okay? Everybody in here has an inner atmosphere, amen? Do you know what an inner atmosphere is? It's an inner attitude. It's an inner disposition. It's a, it's a, a way, if you, could, you could take a, you know, and, and it includes things like feelings, right, now, how many of you know you cannot discern spiritual truth by your feelings? And you cannot discern spiritual truth with your natural senses, with your eyes and your ears and your nose and your, your sense of taste and your sense of touch. You know, I can't, I can't touch Catherine just naturally on the head here and determine whether she's a child of God or not, right? I can't touch myself and be, oh, yeah, I'm holy. I'm so holy, right? You're right? You know, you can't discern spiritual reality in the natu- with the natural man. Now, thank God for our natural man, because how many of you know the natural man is, is a good thing? I mean, it is a good thing. Some people think that the natural man is evil, but the natural man is not evil. All right? Your body is not evil. Okay? Your mind is not evil. Your emotions are not evil. The things of the natural world are not evil in and of themselves. Money is not evil right? It's how you, what you yield it to. Your body is neutral. Your, your God, God, how many of you know God made our bodies? God, bodies are good, right? But it's what we yield ourselves to, right? It, it's whether we're yielding ourselves to be instruments of righteousness and instruments of truth and using our body um, righteously is what makes it, you know, it's, it's, it's just an instrument, right? I mean, you know, when Jordan gets up here and plays the piano, it's an instrument of righteousness, Right Now, some of you that don't know how to play piano, if I made you come up here and play piano, it would not, it would be an instrument of unrighteousness. Okay? And we would sit you down, right? Now, it's the same piano, right? The question is who's playing it, right? And so, my question is, your mind has been designed to think like Christ. Right? It's been designed to have the thoughts of God going through it. You've been designed, born again, to produce the fruit of the Spirit. All right? That's what, you, that's what you're created for. There, you're, a good, you're a good tree. You're a good tree. If you're born again, you're a good tree. Right? You were born again. Righteous in Ephesians 4.24, it says you were recreated in righteousness and true holiness. Let's just go over there. I, don't, I'm gonna, I better get in the Bible so we know we're in church. All right, let's go to Ephesians 4.24. All right. Some of these scriptures transformed my life. And the reason they, st- they transformed my life is because they, they, they caused me to stop trying to be something that I already was. Amen? How many of you know it's impossible to be something that you already are? How many of you know that's exhausting? Right? Trying to be something that you already are. And a lot of times we think we're trying to, you know, get something when we already have it, right? So Ephesians 4.24 says this, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I'm sorry, that's th- 23. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now in the Amplified it says be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. Having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Amen? Having a fresh, not a stale attitude. Not a day old, a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Say attitude. How many of you know your attitude matters? How many of you know your attitude is the outward manifestation of your inward altitude, your inward atmosphere? Your attitude is a manifestation of your inward atmosphere. Right? So if you have a positive, joyful attitude, it's an indicator, it's a barometer that you have a positive inner life, which, which your inner life, totally 100%, is a manifestation of your thought life. Okay, your thought life will determine whether you have mind a, a peaceful inner attitude or a whatever, angry or resentful or unforgiving or whatever you know the different types of attitudes that we can have but the word of God says here that we are to always have a fresh mental and spiritual attitude that's been renewed right in verse 24 it says put on the new nature put on the new nature in the amplified it says the regenerate self okay that's the new man that's who you were recreated in Christ to be. When you were born again, when you received the revelation of the good news, when you recognized that that, Christ, that God was in Christ reconciling himself to the world on the cross, when you recognized that you were, you know, vicariously in Christ, died as you on the cross. When you recognized that, you were that regeneration of the new man became yours. You owned it, right? Now, it, you've got to... You've got to be renewed in that. You've got to freshly be reminded of that and keep on the regenerate man. You've got to keep on the new man, okay? I always say this. The old man only exists in your mind. That's the only place that old crucified man, even if you're a woman, you know what I'm saying, the spirit man, that's the only place that old unrenewed man exist but many of us spend way more of our time majority of our time relating to ourselves and frankly relating to others based upon the unregenerate man not the perfected man not the new man not the one that was recreated here it says in righteousness and holiness here's what it says Put on the new nature, the regenerate, regenerate self created in God's image, Godlike. This is what it said in the Amplified. How many of you know Adam was created in God's image? And then he fell to something less than that. How many of you know the last Adam restored us to that Godlike image? Right? And he says here, put on this regenerate self. Put on this new man that was created in God's image. It's godlike, in true righteousness and holiness. So the truth is your new man, the real you, the authentic you, the one that God is relating to, the one that God is um, communing with, the one that is worshiping God, right, in spirit and in truth, that real person that you are is already righteous and is already holy. That's the true identity of who you are, right? Now, this new identity, this new man, also walks in love. This new man walks by faith. This new man manifests the fruit of the Spirit because it's a good tree. How many of you know Jesus said you will know them by their fruits, right? Right? he said, you can't make a bad tree good. You can't. That's why he had to chop it down. He had to take it up at the root. He had to deal with sin on the cross at the root. He had to just totally annihilate the old sin nature tree. He had to become sin, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, he was made to be sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So Jesus became sin. He, he, He literally became the bad root. And he became the bad tree so that there could be a race, a new orchard of good trees. And you're a good tree. Now, the only reason you produce bad fruit is because you forget who you are. Or you never knew who you were. Nobody ever told you you were a good tree. Your whole life you've been said you were a sinner. Or you've been, whatever, labeled all kinds of negative things. And you've believed a lie. And you will be what you believe that you are. You will manifest what you believe, even though you're a good tree. If you believe you're a bad tree, then you're going to produce bad fruit. So that's why a renewed mind is so important. See, when we renew our minds, it's not a process of becoming something we're not. It's a process of awakening to what we already are. All right? It's, it's a process of coming into agreement with the truth. That is what mind renewal is. After conversion, after receiving the the good news, the entire Christian walk, the entire Christian life is about renewing your mind. It's about awakening to what happened at the cross. That's why Paul said, I determined among you to know nothing but Christ crucified. It's really the only thing you need to know. Because Christ crucified is is who you are. It all began, it all ended, right? Right? Christ crucified. I mean, it, that's the most joyful place because it's where the old man ceased to exist. It's where you no longer were controlled by sin. You, it's, it's the place of freedom, the place of healing, the place of deliverance, the place of complete and utter um, oneness with Jesus Christ. You are one with Christ on the cross. You are one with Christ. And, and from the cross, you've been one with him ever since. So that's how you were buried with him. That's how you were raised with him. And that's how you reign and rule in him right now. Your identity is complete. It's good news, amen? It's a lot better good news than a lot of stuff we preach. But we forget, just like Eve, we forget. We forget or we've never been told. We've never been taught. But those of us that have been taught, we forget. We're forgetful. So we have to remind ourselves, we have to constantly be renewed. We have to put on the new man every single day. You've got to get up, you know, because I'll say this. I mean, you know, you don't always wake up feeling all holy. You don't wake up feeling all, you know, I'm ready to raise the dead. You don't don't wake up in the spirit a lot of times. You wake up feeling bad. You wake up, whatever, with the circumstances all around you. And, you know, some of us dread the day, amen? That's how you wake up, right? It's because you've forgotten or you don't know. And so, you know, I started this years ago. What you do in the first hour of your day is extremely important. How you begin your day is extremely important. Now, you don't have to, I mean, I know a lot of different people that do a lot of different things. For me, I just incorporate my mental shift and attitude, into my routine of getting ready. Right, because when I started doing this, I was way too jacked up to do anything else. Right, I had to, I had to, I, I had to, to basically just, in, just from the moment I woke up, just start to, to begin to, to speak the truth. I had to get in the mirror and look at myself in, in the, the beginning of the day and say, "You are, in Christ." You've been recreated in righteousness and true holiness. You are a new man, right? You know, Jesus was sin who, and you are now righteous and begin to speak the truth to myself. Get in the shower and begin to, because to, to, listen, here's the thing we are voice activated. Now, you are not going to do this just being quiet. You're not going to just cast down a thought with, because you're voice activated. God has created mankind, created the natural realm to be voice-activated, all right? The Bible tells us in James chapter 3 that this member is a really little member, but it's powerful. It's like a fire. He says it's like the, the bridle on a horse, that when you control the bridle, you control the whole horse, right? It's like a little rudder on a ship, that when you turn the rudder, even though it's a little bitty rudder, it'll turn the whole vessel, Right? So the enemy, you have to realize, the enemy understands this too, because words are creative. And if he can, if he can control your thought life, he can control your words. And if he can control your words, he can control your body. If he can control, and he can control the natural realm. He's controlling it through unrenewed minds who speak unrenewed words, who cause the curse to manifest. That's how the enemy works. Now that's exactly how God works. Right? That's why he says, hey, put on the new man. Be renewed in your spiritual mind. Be renewed and in, 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 have a fresh mental attitude and put on the new man. He says, put away line. Put away the things that are of the old man. Don't manifest the things of the old man because that's not who you are. Manifest righteousness. But you've got to get an agreement with it. And you've got to get an agreement with it in your mind. Now, first of all, you've got to wake up to the idea that this is even going on. You have to recognize that we are in, this is, this is a, a battle of, of thoughts. It's a battle of atmospheres. It's a battle of attitudes. It's a battle of perspectives. And the enemy is unseen. This is an unseen battle, an unseen war, and you cannot see the devil. And let me say this the devil manifests as your thoughts, he manifests as your feelings. But just because you think something and just because you feel something doesn't mean it's you. Because the real you is righteous and the real you is holy and the real you thinks like Jesus. So the word over and over and over says, don't be deceived, don't be deceived, put on your armor. Put on the helmet of salvation. Stand against the strategies and the wiles of the devil. And the first thing you have to realize is most Christians are not even in the, they're not even on the battlefield. They're not even showing up. They're sleeping. They're totally just passively allowing whatever the enemy wants to spoon feed them into their head. And then they blame themselves for being so faithless. And they get condemned because they think, man, something's really wrong. My mind is messed up. My feel, I feel bad that I feel bad. I feel guilty that I feel guilty. I am worried about my worry. I'm depressed about this depression. Right? And they never stop to, to, to think, wait a second, maybe this isn't me. Maybe the real me is actually totally feeling different than this particular feeling that this body is happy to perceive right this minute. Maybe there is something interfering with my perceptors. Maybe my receptors have been intercepted. And maybe there's some signals that are being sent and fired into my neurological network and maybe I'm picking up the depression of the enemy because the last time I checked, he was the one that was depressed. Maybe I'm picking up some feelings that are not mine. Maybe I'm picking up some feelings of somebody else that needs prayer. Maybe I'm picking up the feelings of this entire region. Maybe I'm picking up the, the struggle of the, what's over the high school. I'm just saying, you are you are a spiritual being that has receptors. And just because you feel something, first of all, that thing has got to be interpreted. That thing's got to be intercepted. You just can't let everything just come into your your realm and just receive it like it's you. Because you are a good tree. You are a good tree. You are holy. You are righteous. You are redeemed. You are complete. You are perfected. I mean, every single thing I just said is scripture. Now, I realize that most of the churches are preaching it, but it doesn't mean that it's not the truth. It's complete. You're not going to be more righteous when you manifest more righteousness. You, are, you get in agreement with righteousness, and you just become what you are. When you believe that you're a process, you will be a process. When you believe that, that whatever you believe is a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So whatever you believe is what you're going to manifest. So you might as well just go ahead and and get an agreement with Jesus that it is finished. And that the only place it's not finished is in your mind. So if you get it finished in your mind, then okay, it'll be finished. Amen? But I'm telling, it is time. Because here's the deal. Gosh, you guys, we're, we're operating at such a lower level than who we really are. And I'll say this, every single time you get down on yourself, you are clueless to who you are. There is no, in verse, in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says there is no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. Now, when it says no condemnation, let's think about that for a second. Condemnation, what is it? It's a guilty verdict. Okay, let's go to the court of law in the heavens for a second. And let's put God on the, let's put God on the judgment seat. Because here's the problem. We, we even realize some of us that God's not mad at us, but we're mad at us. So we even exalt ourselves above God as the judge and we put ourselves above God and exalt ourselves as the judge. And so we say, hey God, you know, I, I, I get, we've heard there's no condemnation in you. We've heard that sin was paid for on the cross. We heard that there was an atoning sacrifice, one propitiation for sins, that it was paid once and for all. It's an eternal redemption. Yeah, we heard that, but you know what? Scoot over, I'm going to get up on this judgment seat and I'm going to judge myself and, my, and other people based upon their performance and I'm either going to like myself or like other people based on how good they're acting today. And so that's what we do. And it's absolutely counter-anti-Christ. It literally defames and, and just completely annihilates the power of the cross and what Christ accomplished on our behalf. And it nullifies the blood of the lamb that was shed for us and it empowers the enemy and we're not overcoming him by the blood and the word of our testimony. We're letting him dictate, dictate to us an entire different way of reality and a way of thinking. And I'm telling you, it, we have to wake up. We have to wake up to the true identity of who we are. And I don't mean, and it's not based on anything other than the truth of the gospel of Christ. Now Listen. I get it that it's not that easy because most people don't get this. And I get that they are constantly reminding you what a jerk you are or what what you've done to them or, you know, because we're constantly looking for other people to be our source. We're constantly looking for everybody else to love us, you know, when, when, listen, I mean, I get it. People should love us, but they're working on it too. Amen. They're working on it too. And we can only love others to the extent that we've received the love of God and have learned to love ourselves. Because until we love ourselves, I'm not even loving you. I'm using you. I'm using you to give me something that I don't already have, which I'm supposed to have because God loves me. My love tank is already supposed to be full. I'm already I mean I get the five love languages. I get that. I get that. But you know what? You're not in charge of my empty love tank. I Do you think Jesus needed a bunch of people around him giving him quality time? Now I get I am not I love that book. I have I love getting my love language. I love that. I love it. It makes me feel great. But let me say this. It's not the gospel. We are to be self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. We are to be so full of the love of Christ that we have enough love for every love-deficit person on the planet. We are supposed to be so inner-filled with the goodness of God that we're always good. We are inner filled. We are in. We have a root system in our tree that goes down into the roots of the goodness of God in the soil of the love of God. We're to be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. Right? We really. I mean it. I just want to chop off the pointing fingers, this accusation, this idea that we are accusing other people. Like we need to just stop doing all that. Just stop. You're not loving me. You're not doing this right. You're blah 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 blah. Whatever it is that we're not doing. And we just need to stop it and just get in the love of God. Because the moment you get back into the love of God, you will see that situation differently. You will see that person differently and you'll see the victory. And you'll see that it's from God anyway. That the only real victory comes from him anyway. That the only real source of breakthrough comes through him anyway. If it's up to us, we're all in trouble. Amen? So we need to quit that, you know, the accusing finger that we point to ourselves, that, that voice that just, you know, we've got to recognize the voice of the enemy, recognize the thoughts of the enemy, recognize this. I mean, it's, I really, it's like wake up, receptors, wake up, synapses, wake up in Jesus' name and start to discern what is the, where is the source of this? What's the source of this thought? What's the source of this feeling? What's the source of that word? I've been telling you, Jesus judged things. He judged the source, you know? He said, hey, as I hear, I judge. As he heard, he judged. As he, he says, as I, I have my own self, I can do nothing. But as I hear, I judge. John chapter 5. That meant that he was, he was, he was discerning what he was hearing. You know, he told Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. You are not seeking the things of God, but the things of man. Right? And so we, we, sometimes you just need to slow down. When you wake up in the morning, it doesn't take long. I mean, two to five minutes. Unless you, you know, unless you're coming out of something you've been doing for a long time. If you've been feeling or kicking your butt or doing something for a long time, you might have a rut. You have a rut in your neural pathways, and you've been thinking that, so what? You know what? You might take a little bit of effort to get out of that rut, but it's possible. I mean, I got healed of manic depression, a mind that was completely scrambled up with a bunch of junk, basically, by the power of the Holy Spirit teaching me what I'm saying today, and I stopped completely identifying with someone who was mentally ill. That was not me. I totally woke up to the fact that that was not me. That was a lie. That that was not who I was. And even though my brain and my emotions and all those things might might at that moment have not been in agreement with that, what came to me was an awareness that that was not who I was. It'll happen with sickness. It'll happen with any lie that the enemy tries tries to get you to believe. You'll start to realize, wait a second, I'm the healed resisting this thing. You won't identify with being sick you'll identify as someone under attack with sickness. And you'll begin to resist it from the inside out. You'll begin to speak it. And, and even, you know, going to get prayer with somebody is really just an agreement of resisting what you, uh, this is not of me. Join me in this battle of resisting what doesn't belong to me. Well, guess what? All of that, anything that's not the fruit of the Spirit doesn't belong to you. Let's go over there, Galatians. Let's go look at the fruit of the Spirit because you're a good tree. Say, I'm a good tree. You're a good tree and there are good things inside of you because Jesus is inside of you, okay? Let's go into Galatians um, chapter five Um, and let's just start in verse one here. I'm gonna read it in the Amplified. It says, in this freedom, Christ has made you free and completely liberated us they completely liberated us stand fast then and don't be hampered and held and snared and submit again to a yoke of slavery which you once have put off do you see that it's saying stand in who you are stand in the liberty liberty that that has already been provided to you stand in that liberty Stand fast in it and don't allow yourself to be hampered. Don't allow yourself to be tripped up. Don't allow yourself to be ensnared. And do not submit. Say that. I will not submit to a yoke of slavery. All right? I will not submit. You just, and let me say this. You opening up your mouth and saying that, I will not submit. That's one of the most powerful phrases you can say. You rebel, amen, against poverty. You rebel, amen, against sickness. You rebel against unemployment. You rebel against the things that, I mean, you rebel against that. I will not submit to that. I will not submit to depression. I will not submit to sickness. I won't submit to demonically inspired thoughts. I will not, I will not, I will not. You get militant about it, amen, and you don't submit. You rebel. This is the place where rebellion is good. Right? You rebel. You rebel against the enemy and his, 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 his lies and his thoughts and his judgments and his criticisms and his accusations. Right? It's good. All right, let's, get, let's go over to um, verse number 13. It says, for you, brethren, are we the brethren? All right? We're indeed called to freedom. We were called to freedom says, only don't let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh and an opportunity or excuse for selfishness. But through love, serve one another. Okay, we are called, guess what? The nature of the new man serves. How many of you know the greatest in the kingdom is servant of all? The greatest in the kingdom is not the one who gets served. That's a fallen Babylonian world concept of greatness. The greatest in the kingdom serves. Jesus came to serve. He didn't come to be served. Now, I don't care what everybody else is doing. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. You serve. I serve. We get our... That's the whole point. You think Jesus was acting according to how everybody else was acting? No, he was the example. He came as the example to to do what... You know, so it's not a... You don't look around to determine who you are and how to act. You don't go outside of the Word of God or outside of, of the Spirit of God to find out who you are and how you're supposed to act. That's why reading the Word is so important, especially in this house where we are such a Spirit-filled, prophetic community where we could just get lost in the presence all day long. That's amazing. That's awesome. But you know what? The Word of God is, go- is a mirror the Word of God tells you who you are, and it tells you how to act. This is like the royal conduct handbook, right? And that's why we have so many flaky, charismatic Christians. That's why people like John MacArthur can get up and basically say that all charismatics are going to hell because the fruit that they produce is chaos and da-da-da-da-da. I mean, God bless them. God bless him. Pray for him. But the point is that there is a lot of kookiness. I mean, he actually is saying something. Where is the fruit of the Spirit? Where is the character? Where is the integrity? Where is the, the people that keep their word? Where is the people that, 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 that do the hard things? You know, I mean, it's a full package. God is a full package. He's evangelical and charismatic, right? He's, he's Lutheran and charismatic. I mean, just telling you, there's revelation. There's, you know, there's excellence in some of these other streams that the charismatic church has lost, and it's because we have allowed our freedom to give us a, a permission, an incentive to the flesh. And, and we, we have, I'm just saying. And it says here that it's not an excuse for selfishness. Your freedom is not an excuse for selfishness. But it's, it's, a, it's, it's freedom to love. That's what it is. It's a freedom to be loved and to love. The law is now love. The freedom, it, it, it's, it's the freedom to be, be love. It's not a freedom for selfishness. It's a freedom for, for otherness, <laughs> okay? So serving is, is a part of your nature, and you don't resent it when you do it. And you don't do it because you're looking for accolades. You do it as unto the Lord because that's His nature, and guess what? You're going to be doing it for eternity. So we might as well have to learn how to do it now. Because there's, if, if it's so good, then there's a revelation in it that, 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 that if it's such a part of who God is, to be the greatest, you serve one another in love. To be the greatest, to be the greatest. There's a revelation in this thing that somehow most of us don't have. Now, it says this, verse 14, for the whole law, and I love the amplified, concerning human relationships is is compiled in this one precept. I love this. How many of you are like a simple person? Like, I don't need, I mean, please, if it's like the 15 law or the 21 laws of da-da-da-da-da, I'm like lost on number two, right? It has to be simple. I'm too chaotic. I have too many things going on in my head. I just need the simple thing. Give me it straight. Give it to me. He says this, the one precept, the whole law concerning human relationships, and guess what? That means your marriage, that means your children, that means this church body, this means um, our teams of five, this means any, I mean, whatever, you name it. The whole law of human relationships is in this one precept. You shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. Now, it's the golden rule. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Man, that, we, that, that, that's awesome, isn't it? Now, the love your neighbor as you love yourself is where some things fall down. Because we love ourselves really lousy. Because most of us are constantly comparing ourselves to Christ or comparing ourselves to others. And in our own minds and in our own assessment and judgment of ourselves, we're falling short, right? And so we see perfection and then we see ourselves and then we form a self-esteem forced on the deficit. And so our value in our self-image and our self-concept is based upon our own opinion of ourselves when compared to the opinion that we have of Christ. Now it even seems good. It seems like, well, that's good. It keeps me humble. You know, Christ is perfect and I'm not. And so, I mean, this is humble. I mean, this is humble. I'm I'm esteeming myself in comparison to his holiness, Jesus. But even though it seems like it's humble, it's a false humility. Because actually, you have no identity apart from Christ. So it's idolatry. It's self-idolatry. You've now separated yourself from the very one who came to get inside of you. So you have no identity identity apart from Christ. You have no identity apart from Christ. Now, God himself is not evaluating you like that. You know, he's not comparing you to Christ. I mean, if, if anything... If, if, am saying, and condemning you over it. He's not, he's not saying, well, you know what, you're not like doing this like Christ, so therefore condemnation and guilt is your portion. No, the Holy Spirit doesn't convict to condemn. He convicts believers to, into righteousness. He's saying, no, no, you're acting out of character. Like right now, you're not being who you really are. Wake up to who you really are, okay? It's like, it's like finding the orphan who's really an heir underneath the king's table scrambling around for the scraps. You know, it's like, no, daddy, the king comes in and says, oh, sweetie, no, no, no. You sit at the table. You sit at the table and you use your fork and you use your knife and this is your food. It belongs to you. You don't have to get the crumbs. You don't have to go dig in the trash anymore. No, you're righteous. You're the king's son. you're You're in my house. You're in my heart. You belong here at the table. This is all yours. This is an inheritance. Now learn to be a son. Learn to be a king. Learn to be who you are. Now, that is a very different way of conviction rather than catching the orphan, getting the crumbs, and then going locking them down in the dungeon and separating yourself from fellowship with the orphan who's acting like an orphan. At worst, we're, we're kings and we're sons who are acting like orphans. And the Holy Spirit's job is to convict you, convince you of righteousness. Right? It's a completely different paradigm. He doesn't condemn. He never condemns. He never, now he might point it out, well, you know, that's a silly thing to be doing down there picking the crumbs when you've got a whole table of food up here that belongs to you. And that's really what sin is. Sin is going under the table and picking up the crumbs. And only when you don't know who you are do you do that. The moment you wake up to the fact that you're royalty and that you're a son and that you have an inheritance that belongs to you, you don't even want the crumbs. Like, why would I want the crumbs when I've got filet mignon? Like, why would I want to go dig in the trash when I've got, you know, cristal, whatever? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it just, it doesn't make sense. Sin no longer computes. In the righteous mind, it does not compute. It is ridiculousness. It's foolishness. It's so, it's, disgusting it's totally disgusting why because the light shows it for what it is it's only in darkness that sin is appealing in the first place that's why you don't have to be sin conscious that's why you don't focusing on the crumbs focusing on i'm down here on the crumbs i'm down here in the crumbs i'm down here i'm just a crumb eater I'm never gonna just stop being a crumb eater. I've been eating these crumbs for 20 years. That's all I've ever known. That never gets you out of the crumbs. You know, down there thinking about the crumbs. Well, everybody else thinks I'm a crumb eater. You know, who cares what everybody else thinks? Your father says, yeah, you're a son, you're an heir, you're in him. Get up at the table, eat. Partake, receive eternal life. Lay hold. Lay hold. Fight the good fight of faith. Don't believe that mess. Lay hold of who you are. Grasp it. And make it yours, no matter what everybody else thinks. And when you miss it, own it. But own it like this Wow, I was not acting like myself. I apologize. I take responsibility for that. That was so out of character for me. That is not who Jesus is. I was not manifesting Christ-likeness at that moment. I am so sorry. Forgive me. And you get right back in it. And if you made a mess, clean it up. Just clean it up. Clean up your mess and keep going. Don't hold people in bondage. Don't put them in condemnation for 20 years because they messed up. Right? You just, okay, they're learning. They're learning how to get out of the crumbs and get to the table and eat the fillet. Amen? And so we forget. We get down back on the table, and we get down in the crumbs, and then, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait. No, no. I have filet at the table. I can get back up. And, you know, a, 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 a culture of honor, a community of believers that, that sees each other as righteous and encourages one another from that perspective. See, I, it's one of the best gifts that you can give each other. It's just to say, you know what? I see you. I'm, I'm like, I'm an avatar, man. I see you. Right? You've never seen that movie. But you know what I'm saying? I see you. I see who you are. And even when you're acting like an idiot, man, I still see you. When you're acting like a jerk, you know, when you're Peter, right, cussing out the servant girl, I'm not confused, Peter, you're still the rock, right? You're still the rock, Peter, just because you acted like an idiot, right? And you can start to laugh at yourself, and you can start to laugh, because guess what? Your idiotness doesn't define you either, right? So when you miss it or act like a jerk or act like an idiot, you know what? Okay, you can laugh. You can lighten up. Right? We're all growing. Are we all growing? And I mean growing in our knowledge of who we are. And the thing we can do is help each other. We can say, man, you're amazing, even though you're acting like you're not. Right? Okay, I'm going to wrap it up. I want to wrap it wrapped up today because I—it's I, on my heart. I'll tell you what, this body, this family has got the glory down. Amen. I mean, we're—we're—we're we're, going to grow in that. I mean, we just—we're we're glory junkies. We're presence junkies. We love Jesus. We love His presence. We love the supernatural. We've got training. Get in it. You'll do it. Okay, it's amazing. I mean, we're, we're going to raise the dead this year. I know it. It's coming. I mean, it's amazing miracles are coming. You guys are just marinating in it and just keep doing it. You're doing awesome. But it's time to grow up. Okay, it is time to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. It's time to love one another. It's time to serve. It's time to grow up in your character. The character will not carry the glory. I mean, your character is what carries the glory. Okay, your, your integrity, your, your your willingness to do the... Thing that doesn't you don't feel like doing the the consistency of your walk with God the 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 discipline there is discipline in the Christian life right it's not just all float on the glory I mean there is discipline right Jesus got away to the mountain to pray he heard the voice of God you know I mean there are aspects of our Christian walk you know as charismatic Christians as miracle lover lovers, right, that, that have to be rooted and grounded in the word and in the truth and in love. And we have to be teachable. We have to be, um, and we got we to gotta just stay in that place where we're growing in our ability to manifest the attitude of Christ. Our attitudes need to be checked, Right? And, and we, we have to get into that place where the battle of our mind, we're, we're winning it. Because I'll tell you what, if we can't get there, the glory is not going to get sustained. The glory cannot be sustained because the enemy will destroy our relationships. He will destroy us through strife and through offense and through the things. I mean, I'm just saying, that's how moves of God get destroyed. That's how bodies and churches and marriages get destroyed. It's not because... It's because of maturity in the, in the attitudes and the, and the thought life that we allow in our hearts. And so God's been really speaking to me about, you know, us growing in this area and, it, and meaning, let's getting our minds renewed and waking up to the heart of Christ, to the, the fruit of the Spirit, to the, the way that we love one another and the way that we, we just speak to one another, the way that we honor one another, the way that we serve one another, you know? And we just need to, it, just, it just needs to be one of those topics that we just shift on. We sh- we're going to shift into that more in, as we come into the end of this year, as we move into next year, um, because God has a high call on your life. He's got a high call on my life. He's got a high call on this body. I mean, the things that we are seeing, people are praying for it, like it's not here. Hello. There are entire prayer movements that are dedicated to seeing the things that we're already seeing in this house. Because we don't even subscribe to that. I'm not praying for something that has already arrived. This is not Prayer Mountain praying for revival. You are revival. Now manifest it. Be revival. Be it. Pray for the sick. Raise the dead. Heal the sick. Freely you've been given. Freely. You're right? Freely receive, freely give it, okay? Go be revival. Everyone in here has permission to be revival. Every day this week, go be revival. Start revival, okay? We're not praying for that at Prayer Mountain. But it is going to be a place where people come and experience the glory and and manifest. I mean, wow, just whoa, blown away by the presence of God and the miracles and the stuff this body's walking in. But if we don't have the character and we don't have the fruit and we don't have the love undergirding all of that, we're going to be a clanging symbol. Sing- we're going to be a noisy sound in the spirit. And it's, gonna, it's not going to count for anything. Now, this week, I want you to really put the barometer on the negativity. Okay? And that means towards yourself, towards other people right? Just towards situations, towards circumstances. Guard your heart. Guard your mouth. Guard your mind. Get the Word of God. If you can't say something nice, we'll meditate on the Word of God. Get the promise. If you can't say something nice, say the prompt. Just, just get your minds recalibrated. There is grace on this, I'm telling you. There's grace on this to, to, to get and stay in the place of power in your inner atmospheres, all right? I'm going to finish with the scripture. We'll wrap it up. In Galatians, all right, in verse five, it says his. Um, Verse, uh, well, let me just read this thing. Okay, verse 14, we said, love your neighbors, you love yourself. Verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another in partisan strife, be careful that you and your whole fellowship are not consumed by one another. That's crazy. It says, but I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. I mean, this is the way we're supposed to live, habitually in the Spirit. It's a habit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and the desires of the flesh or the human nature without God. You won't be the old man. If you're walking in the Spirit and keeping your mind on the things of the Spirit, you will not even consider that stuff. It says here, for the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh, the godless human nature. You don't have a godless human nature, but, right? So it's, it, but you can manifest it because your mind is not renewed and you're being influenced by something that's not God. It says here, the desires of the flesh are antagonistic to each other. So that you are not free but prevented from doing what you desire. But you are, if you are guided, verse 18, by the Holy Spirit, you are not subject to the law. The doings of the flesh, the doings of the enemy, right, are these things. Immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, ill-temper, selfishness, divisions, dissensions, party spirit, factions, sex, with peculiar... Particular and peculiar opinions and heresies, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Meaning, you're down there eating with the crumbs. You're not up here experiencing your inheritance. And you can't. You can't eat crumbs and eat filet mignon at the same time. It says here, But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work of which his presence within accomplishes is love, joy, gladness, peace, patience, an even temper, forbearance, kindness, goodness, benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, humility, self-control, self-restraint. Against these things there is no law. Now, that's who we are. We're good trees. Here's the key. What you meditate on, what you focus on, what you think about is going to determine your attitude, and your attitude is going to determine your actions. So controlling your thoughts is is really what we're talking about here. What you meditate on is huge. There's there's resources out here. I I just brought four. These are four grow-up books. These are four things that help you meditate on the right things, right? There's more out there, the Word of God, just get a book, get something, meditate on the right things. Fill your heart with the right things. This first book is a book called The Bait of Satan. It's a revelation of offense. If you struggle with offense, you need to read this book. Be honest with yourself. If you've you've left ministries, and you've left churches, and you've left friendships, and offense has been a problem in your life, be honest with yourself and get revelation about that issue. This is one book that does that. It's a great book. It's by John Bevere, and it will, it will set you free. It's powerful. If you struggle in general with anger and um, envy and just conflict, you're just always in a conflict. You always got in an argument with somebody. There's always an atmosphere. You're always mad. There's another book in here that's called Conflict-Free Living by Joyce Meyer, and it's about the spirit of strife. And it's about the spirit of, um, you know, that, that causes relationships to break down, okay? Another great book. There's another one here that I've got called Boundaries. When to say yes and when to say no to take control of your life. Most of us have no clue how, what we are responsible for and what we're not responsible for. And so we let other people control us and manipulate us. Or we control other people and we manipulate other people. We use anger, And and other emotional reactions to try to get people to do what we want them to do. Or other people do that to us. And this is a a great book for learning. No, wait. You have self-control. You're responsible for yourself. You're not responsible for anybody else but yourself. It's not other control. It's self-control. Okay? Boundaries. Read it. It's good. Last one is called Loving Our Kids on Purpose. Now, if you don't have kids, don't, don't. Don't say, well, I shouldn't read this book. Because this book is not just about kids, although it is about parenting. It's really about, I mean, spiritual parenting. It's also about just relationships in general. And it talks about that fear is not a core value of the kingdom. And that God does not motivate us through pe- fear or fear of consequences. And it, it taught—and let me just say this. We do this to a lot of people, not just our kids. So it's a, real, it's a powerful revelation of the um, kingdom, all right? So these are just four. There's others out there. You know, make yourself, you know, available to the bookstore. It's there for you. There's resources out there. But my point is, do what's necessary to get your mind right and keep it right. And I'll say this. I just know that God is going to be in it, right? Because you are a good tree, and he wants you to manifest good fruit, Amen? All right, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that this is a word in due season, and I thank you that it's a, a seed that has been planted in our hearts. And um, I just want us to do this. I, I just repeat after me. Say, I renounce, and I just repent of every attitude that I have allowed to enter into my atmosphere and manifest through my heart. And I renounce every word that I have spoken about myself, about my loved ones, my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, even the lost, in Jesus' name. Anything that's not in alignment with love, I renounce. I am... A child of love I'm an offspring of love love has possessed me I'm possessed by the Holy Spirit the spirit of love I love myself because he first loved me I'm lovable I'm accepted and I'm perfected and I see others through his love, through his perfection and what he accomplished on the cross. I serve others in love because I'm a lover and I love in Jesus name, amen. Now I just want you on our way out. I just want you to catch one person and tell them one or two things that you love about them, all right? Just on your way out, just catch somebody and say, you know what I really love about you? And then just tell them, just one or two things, amen? All right? And then do it to your, do it to your kids, do it to your family. Just, just start to tell people what you love about them, amen? It'll encourage you, it'll encourage us, all right? No more of this fighting on the way to church either, amen? I don't know who that's for, but just enough of that mess, okay? All right. You got a word, Jordan? I just got had this in me to burst out here when you were saying about I repent. You know, repentance means getting God's thoughts on the subject, and when you're talking about love, God is love, and uh, Holy Spirit to me means uh, another aspect is perfect imagination. When you're seeing everything in a positive light, you are then seeing having God's thoughts because God's always thinking positive. He's always full of love, but then you got to deal, you got to address with those things that are ugly. But the more that our minds are renewed to be like God's, the more we're able to see the things that are ugly in a positive light and speak this love. And wow, I'm just, this is amazing just to be here. And thank you, Shalise. Awesome, Jordan. You're a blessing. All right. You guys rock. So don't forget your assignment.